0: podcast hey paul welcome to the Mind Gym podcast how we doing
1: hey danny i'm doing great thank you
0: awesome awesome well i guess paul before we jump into it um i tend to ask my guest to pick six numbers so if you could pick six numbers from one to a hundred for me that'd be great three yep
1: 99 okay 100.
0: Yep. 2. Okay. 1. Yep.
1: And 50.
0: And 50. Perfect. We will come back to them later on down the line. So, Paul, I guess what I tend to ask my guests kind of if they was to sum themselves up as a tagline or a, a movie log line, um, you know, what would that be? So, I guess, yeah, Paul, if for people who don't know you just yet, and rather than getting into kind of who you are, but if you've to summarise yourself in a sentence, what would that be?
1: I'd say always challenging the status quo.
0: Okay, okay, I like that, I like that. So when you was younger and you was in school, and the teacher would come up to you and say, Paul, what, what is it you want to be when you grow up? What, what would it be, what you would say back to that teacher?
1: I actually wanted to be a scientist uh, within the... to explore and research nature. I was really, as a child, I was, I grew up at the countryside and I was always playing uh, with animals, uh, critters, um, trees and so on. So I really wanted to go in the field of researching and exploring nature.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So going back to your tagline and, and kind of always challenging the status quo, Ex- explain that a little bit for me how so how what do you mean by that oh, well that's kind
1: of how i operate on a daily on a daily basis um i'm always questioning questioning is kind of my default um, so uh, whether i'm in a project or whether i'm doing a design or at school or university i'm always Questioning why things are being done in a specific order. I'm also questioning myself quite a lot and uh, and my own designs. So I guess um, it all boils down to having a mindset of always questioning.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. My um my favorite question personally is why. Um, mm-hmm. That's just like my, my constant go to. Why are we doing it this way? Why is it that way? And I think I think we. I think we've you know challenging the status quo we tend i think when we get older, you know the more the more older we get sometimes we can we can lose that we can kind of lose that curiosity and that 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 brave being brave to ask that question, why are we doing this and and kind of you know is there a better way we can do that
1: mm-hmm. and I think also especially in in this day and age um I think just by walking down the street or being. Being in an airport or being in a public place, um, you can see it clearly with that that people are are not um, I would say are not experiencing well-being. Um, also talking with some with Uber drivers or uh, also looking at research, um, we have created or we find ourselves in a in a system that has to be questioned definitely just because uh i think people live in a in a not so good psychological state so uh, i think now now is the time to question the system and, and not i would say not only you know the, the well-being of humans but the well-being of our of our planet and uh, the natural world okay i like so that I think now it's now it's the time to ask questions definitely more than ever
0: Definitely, definitely. So, I guess, Paul, from the listeners, you know, I know I know who you are, and kind of we've we've um, engaged on LinkedIn and stuff. But I guess, yeah, for my listeners who don't know who you are, Paul, maybe we could do a bit of a a bit of a, a brief a whistle stop tour on on kind of where you've been, you know, in your career, and kind of where you've been and where you are now. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah, let me let me start from from the beginning. I have been um, studying uh, innovation in tourism. that's my my latest school that I graduated in salzburg. I, I have a master's in that. and then um, at university, I really got fascinated by the topic of of experience design. Um, I know Danny, you shared a bit that that you have a background in uh, designing for learning, learning experiences and education. and Um, I came at it from a different perspective, basically from tourism. If we think about tourism, they're tourist providers or producers or, um, designers, however you want to call them. They are actually designing experiences. And like you shared with me before the interview, they're not aware that they're doing that. They're not aware that they're experienced designers, but doing a master's in that we, we put the experience design lens on tourism. And I got to learn a lot from a tourism um, point of view um, about experience design. And then uh, I also got into the topic of game design. Game designers are experience designers. And I focused at the intersection between um, tourism and games. And uh, went really uh, deep on that path of research. um, Wrote my master thesis, and based on my master thesis, I um, wrote the book. So it took one and a half years more together with uh, my mentor and professor from the university, Roman Egger. And after I finished this book called Gamification in Tourism Designing Memorable Experiences, I started. doing uh, lots of public uh, talks, keynotes at uh, various conferences. And then I also got into consulting on the topic of experience design. And um, I think four years ago, I met uh, Klaus Rasted. We're both speakers uh, at the same conference. And then I saw what he was doing. and really got fascinated by the world of live action role play, uh, which is this alt creating, uh, so being immersed in alternate realities by using uh, role playing. So then uh, we became partners, and we have uh, collaborated so and created, um, produced lots of uh, experiences around the globe, among um, most notably the College of Extraordinary Experiences. Which is uh, an experience design uh, event, so to call it, right uh, that um, focuses on on um, giving people the experience of learning about experience design without having to listen to a talk or something like that just by being immersed in an experience you get to learn. Um, and also focus on on building a community. So, I moved from let's say from student to writer, author to consultant to producer, um, to now uh, a person that uses lots of different hats on a daily basis. So it's quite hard to to say what I'm doing right now uh, because it's changing every day very fast. So from mentoring to running an organization to designing to talking also uh, engaging with students so quite quite a lot of uh, of many things
0: okay okay no thank you very much for explaining that i guess if there's a couple of things which you know which i want to kind of pull out there i guess the, the gamification in tourism the, the book so what what you know I'm, I'm always intrigued to understand why people write books and usually it's because I was to share kind of um, information, advice, kind of structure stuff. But what was one of your biggest drivers to, to create that book?
1: I got fascinated by um, a book written by Pine and Gilmore yep. called uh, "The Experience Economy." Are you familiar with it?
0: Yep, yep.
1: So mo- some of your some of your listeners might be familiar with it, um, and I really for those that are not, it it just. Talks about how we are moving from how we moved from an agrarian-based society to an industrial society to a service-based uh, um, society or economy to now an experience economy, and then moving in the future towards a transformation economy. And I really got fascinated by the fact that we're we we're living in or we're just about to transition from service services to experiences. Um, so that topic fascinated me. But I was also frustrated at the same time because uh, on one hand side, we had these brilliant professors at the university talking about the experience economy and how to design experiences, looking at different examples. But then when I looked at my uh, my experience as a student, I realized that there was no one at the university that used the same know-how to focus on my student experience. Use the same tools, use the same mindset uh, on how to accelerate my learning, how to create bonding, how to um, how can I experience exponential growth, how can I feel safe, how can um, you know I be engaged, and so on. I just realized that it's just the default standard system of university. And um, I got really frustrated. I said, why is no one using this know-how to revolutionize or to change the experience of being a student? And so I guess the first step uh, that I did was to create a student organization that focused on Taking the the know-how from our lectures and applying it um, in the university setting. So we created events, uh, socializing events by using um, you know, the lens of experience design. And then just by doing that, I got more and more into the topic because I really liked the effects that experience, you know, using an experience design hat had had. And then um, I also looked at games because I think they have uh, a lot to offer in terms of knowing how to create engagement, how to create immersion. Um, and I got fascinated. You know, if you start reading about game design, it's simply fascinating. At least that's uh, that's how it was for me. So I guess uh, it, it was all born from frustration. Also. Um, the fact that I was maybe primed at the university and my master's degree to think that we're living in an experience economy um, and that the reality, you know, when I was uh, trying experiences, uh, quotation marks, I I didn't feel like it was something, this is a, a memorable experience that was designed step by step for me. I felt like people are talking about the experience economy, but when you look in, in, you know, when you go to the market, they're almost, the offerings are not there. And to me, I don't consider um, a thing like, you know, the the examples that our professors gave us as an experience, so for example, I, I imagine something completely different. And the only experience that I found that blew my mind was after I wrote the book, and that was um, a live action role play uh, called College of Wizardry, where you go to a castle for four days and role play being a witch or a wizard, um, either a student or a professor, for four days nonstop. I consider that a very, very well designed experience.
0: Right. Okay. But I've not, I've, not, um, I've not come across that a little bit, actually. Is, can you share a little bit more about that? Or is it kind of very similar to kind of a college where it's, it's designed with, you know, mystery and, and stuff? Or is there, is there more you could share on that?
1: Well, uh, yes, it's, it's not just the College of Wizardry. There, there was, um, so Klaus kind of revolutionized uh, this uh, huge creations of live-action uh, role-playing games. So, and he created more games. So, for example, it was College of, of Wizards inspired by Harry Potter. So it's imagine having the Hogwarts experience, being able to actually experience that firsthand for four days in a medieval castle, with houses, with housemates, with, with you know mischief and magic, and so on. Um, and then I tried other games that uh, his company produced, um, inspired by uh, downtown Abbey one called fairweather manor um then another one uh, called road trip where uh we went from chicago to la on a on a tour with a rock band and we were all role-playing uh to be either groupies or band members and we had live concerts where people didn't know that we're role-playing
0: um oh wow
1: so that was pretty wild for for an entire week. (laughs) Wow. So those were the things that blew my mind. Um, But again, when when I was studying, I didn't hear about these things. So I was frustrated. Like, where is this experience economy actually? To me, going to Disneyland is the thing of the past. I I, I expect, you know, I think Disney is very much of a passive experience where I feel more of being a consumer of, great entertainment but i don't feel like being a participant so to me an experience means i am a participant i am not a consumer so that's why i was frustrated um you know the reason why games are so great is because you get to play it's not that much fun to to watch someone uh, uh just uh, play a playstation right next to you and you cannot you know you don't have a joystick um so that's going to disneyland you just Trap in the roller coaster and you just consume whatever ride was designed for you. You press one or two buttons. While, you know, it's great, I don't think it is memorable enough. Um, Or even, you know, going one step forward, transformational. But now there there are some things. um, There are things emerging and now we can see, you know, the experience economy or even experiences that have a higher purpose of personal transformation emerging in the market but they are very few and very niche you know when you compare it with let's say something like uh retail uh, which i think is dying uh, as we
0: know it yeah. but I will
1: let you I will let you poke some more questions because I can go on and on with my right
0: <laughs> so I guess uh, you know I'm just just listening to you and I, I completely agree I, I, but I just one of the things I wanted to pull out is I guess in, in a couple of moments and it'll be probably after this podcast, maybe before this podcast is launched, um, I'm doing a talk around how to design immersive experiences on, on boarding, you know, with, um, with, you know, when a when a company brings in lots of new recruits, how to create an immersive experience with that. And I guess my, my design approach, which I will be pushing out there, it, it's a, it's a mix of a few different things kind of merged into one. So I, I take a lot from human centered design and design thinking. You know, I use the the, um, 5e, kind of experience design in the middle, you know, and talking about kind of entry, excite, you know, that stuff. And then the third part is kind of talking about is consumer grade experience as well. So if we're going to use technology and we're going to use this kind of tech and this this equipment, actually how can the equipment, what we use in corporates needs to match the experience what our users use outside of work. But I guess when it comes to your, you designing experiences, what, what's, you know, is anything unique how you, you know, what is your design approach, I guess?
1: Uh, I would call it live, live design. Uh, good example. Yesterday, I had a, a class uh, with uh, with the students at the university and I had option A usually my classes are 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 very interactive so i have option a plan plan for you know what it, what what will i do for opening how will i take them you know how will i use uh, an intensity chart of starting strong and then going higher so like a boom 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 and wow at the end uh, what are my touch points um you know, what is the key takeaway, and so on. That would have taken me a lot of time and energy versus um, improvise and sh- show up and be able to come up with a design on the spot based on the reality of the classroom. Um, because. I've did both, you know, I've, I've planned things and I've did things improvisationally. So I think my design approach is something that I call live design. There's no, some be very you know knowledgeable in, um, in some techniques, so to say, of, you know, how do you create a magic circle? Are you familiar with the magic circle?
0: No, no, please tell me more.
1: Um, Well, it comes from the theory of uh, of play. Um, So a magic circle is, is a sacred space of play. So as simple as a magic circle is, imagine it could be a football field. That's a magic circle. If people are playing football, that's a magic circle. That means that what's happening on the football field is a complete different reality. Because the rules are different. People interact in a different way. It's an alternate reality uh, that is triggered by play, and you know by the set and the setting. Um, another example of a magic circle could be if someone um, if someone invites you to a space, um, and that space is being set up in a specific way even a classroom could be a magic circle just because you know when you as a student go in the classroom you are uh behaving in a specific way that that classroom is being designed for Mo- most probably you sit down and listen <laughs> um so these are all um spaces that have certain rules and norms and make people behave in a specific way. Um, so what I did is I, I went to the classroom. Um, I was there five minutes earlier, so the students saw me, there was no surprise, right? Uh, I was a guest uh, guest lecturer. Um, and then the class started, I got introduced. And then I told the students, um, please go out of the classroom. Um, it might take five minutes or so. I will give you a signal when you can come back in because I have to prepare the classroom. Okay. So they went out. And just by me telling them I have to prepare the classroom. That kind of puts them in a state of getting ready for something that is not a day to day ordinary experience. Yeah. So you've prepared them for, you know, immersion, if you want. You prepared them to be present. You prepared them for something else. And all I did in the classroom was to um, um, use a sponge to clear the the board, the blackboard, and um, write on it 2021, and then put some background music. And I thought, all right, you can come back in now. So I invited them in the space that I have prepared for them. So this is very simple. I I was not thinking about it, but while I was there, I was like, right, I arrived early. They already saw me. I need to do something to get them ready. So let's just, you know, when you have a, um, some notions of how you can improvise, then you can easily do it. So that you can do that by practice and reading a lot, I guess. So then they came back in. and then depending on you know on their mood, for example, I saw halfway through, I saw that there were some of them were were a bit tired. So I just initiated a massage session in uh, in the middle of the class. Um, so what I did is to respond live to their experience versus the versus having a plan and executing it no matter you know no matter the feedback so that's that's kind of my my approach nowadays uh it's called uh, rapid prototyping yeah
0: yeah I like, that. I like that And it's interesting you mentioned kind of classroom so you know one of the things me and and, and numerous other people are trying to do in, in corporate environments is actually just Remove classroom, it didn't work when people was in school, it doesn't work now. So what we do is we go, okay, now you're grown-ups, so we're going to put you in the, the equivalent of a classroom in a corporate environment. Let's call it a meeting room. Um, So, what? what you know, there's a, there's a group of people, and there's, there's probably a lot over here in the UK, they're trying to go away. There's still people who want classroom, but there's a, probably a handful of people who are going away from classroom and saying actually create experiences rather than the classroom. And this, you know, this sometimes is just a literally a complete change in the environment, you know. And I guess, I guess for me, this this thing of what you said there about kind of live, it works really well. How do you find? How do you find? You know, if say, for instance, your co let's use the word facilitation, just because it's easier. But how do you find the people around you? Are they all working to that kind of same design? You know, just kind of going with the flow, kind of not ad hoc, but kind of you know, working with the environment in an organically way? or So how, how do you find kind of working with people around you with that?
1: Um, it depends. So, for example, if there are people that come from um, the live action role play uh, domain, and this is more like the Nordic live action role play, that's very easy because that's what you do when you're doing live action role play. You know, li- it's live action role play. So that's like the ultimate level of improvisation. So when collaborating with people from that space, it's very easy because they're, they know how to do that. When collaborating with someone that is, let's say a service designer, they might have an anxiety attack. Uh, because, you know, but also the design thinking method, you just come with a huge stack of post-its and you bring in lots of people in one room. And maybe at the end of the day, all you did was not too much. Yeah. Um, so usually people that come from those fields uh, have a shock. You know, at the College of Extraordinary Experiences, uh, we're always on time. Because there is no schedule, right? Okay. So... Uh, when people, let's say people that design events, when they, you know, they face, they see that we have no schedule, it creates some sort of uh, cognitive dissonance. They're like, what do you mean? There is no schedule. And to me just, you know, and I, I heard you giggling uh because you you can it's, it's everyone can easily imagine how people will will freak out yeah that there is no schedule to an event but i think uh you know coming back to questioning is why do people freak out if there is no schedule i think that's interesting
0: yeah i mean i mean Maybe it's that kind of behaviour, what's been embedded into him over time, over corporate environment, and you know schools. You got you got to show up late for class. You can't show up late for class. And we go into work, and you've got to be in by nine o'clock. And it it becomes this deeper, this deeper behaviour, what's kind of been drummed into us. Um, I can just I can just picture lots of people having meltdowns when you're saying there's no schedule. So that's the kind of thing what really cheered me up. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess okay. So I mean. There's a couple of random questions here for you, Paul, and yeah, some of them can be you can be you can go as deep or as light touch release as you want. But if you had to give a gift um, of a book to five people, what book would that be?
1: Oh, I think it depends on who those five people are. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay, maybe 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 Or re- what do they want to learn? Maybe rephrase that then. What's a one book? what's complete and we can't use experience economy because we've already used um Joe Pine's mm-hmm. book what's what's the one of a book what's changed the way yeah what's what's the one book what's had the biggest impact on you
1: hmm there are so many books um i think um, One book that uh, marked me, and not as necessarily as an experienced designer, but more as a, as how I view and look at my career, was uh, the invention of nature, by Alexander von Humboldt. Okay, um, it's the life of Alexander von Humboldt who was a polymath and a naturalist and an explorer and many things. (laughs) And uh, just reading his biography just blows your mind. He's the the person that inspired uh, Charles Darwin. Um, He had a copy of his book uh, on Beagle in the expedition, and he inspired Goethe to write um, and he's kind of one of the first uh, humans to come up with the idea that everything is interconnected, you know, by doing crazy explorations all over the globe um, a long time ago.
0: Okay, okay. So we, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, let's say there's a lot, there's there's a few people and companies what I like to keep an eye on personally just for my own my own interest my own personal development and actually just because it ticks a lot of the boxes what I'm really into you know Paul you being one you know John's being one Carl's being one um, school college of you know extraordinary experiences and we've got things like Meow Wolf Museum of Ice Cream all slightly different punch drunk but what, what do you think what do you think the future is of immersive experience?
1: I think right now people are experimenting a lot uh, with the medium, so I think it's very niche right now, very very niche. Like like you said, there are very few people working in this field, exploring it. And from a business perspective, there is a huge interest. So um, I think that the future, the near future, would be for us as practitioners to kind of bridge the gap between businesses understanding what we're doing um, and understanding the value of experience design. But if you'd ask me what I think the, the future of immersive is, is to guide personal transformations, I'm completely in tune with with Joe Pine's thinking, um, Pine and Gilmore. Um, and the, I think the the bigger question is, you know, you're guiding transformations, but what is, what kind of transformations should we create in this world? You know, how should we use this immersive experience realm to help? You know, I think I've been in projects that where 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 people from corporations were crying when they were listening to research uh, in depth. Active listening, uh, listening research results, uh, hearing the results being along the lines, you know, what the the customers, you know, they feel like uh, customers of shopping centers in this case, they feel like they're uh, they're just numbers in a big machine, they feel like they're trapped in a hamster wheel and they don't know how to get out, but they're looking for help. I think we're living in a very sad. Uh, We have created a very sad world, uh, to be honest. And I think as practitioners, our responsibility is to somehow create or touch people in such a way that they start getting or taking action in their own life to improve it psychologically, socially. And also ecologically, um, just being able to take control of that, and you know, knowing or learning how to escape the hamster wheel, um, not being a number anymore, contributing to the well-being of the planet, fixing everything, all the chaos that we have created, trying to step out of, you know, the profit-making trap. Um, Trying to stop trying to to just self things and at scale, you know we're always trying to scale, scaling, scaling, scaling. The big question is, how do you scale experiences?
0: Yeah, that is a big. Question.
1: Why do we have to scale experiences? Why can't we teach everyone to create experiences for themselves, for their friends, for their, you know, grandparents? For their mothers, for their sons, you know, for animals. That's how you scale it by teaching everyone in the world that they are the experienced designers of their of their life. So I think, to me, it's like if that's where I see at least you know the the immersive scene going. Um, you know, of responsible creators.
0: But I guess just to just to kind of build on that, I mean, fundamentally we've already figured out a way to scale. We we do it every day with our own personal experiences. all like, right my my take on things is we are all experienced designers already. It's yeah. it's kind of a case of we've just not switched on to what we're doing. You know, and, and sometimes it is about that kind of thing of you design your own experiences on a day to day anyway. It's you know and and one of the one of the biggest questions what you hear in corporate environments is how can you scale this experience because you know let's have a look at say a business a business struggles with how you know okay we've got um, a leadership program and there's 25 people on there how are you going to scale that to, to target 200 people 300 400 people 500 people across the globe with a budget and I guess my experience my experience design I've always done it on budget I've never you know I've always worked I've always had to figure it out myself I've never had budget to play with so my experiences what I've designed have always been me designing and using my imagination and and coming up with something with nothing you know having nothing to go with and and creating something quite unique And I guess that's Mm -hmm. kind of why we won awards and stuff because you know I've always worked for kind of a lot of time I've worked for like um budget low budget providers so you know kind of these these kind of providers of, um, you know, facilities tech, broadband or whatever, but aimed towards the people who pay less. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've never worked for say a Coca-Cola or someone who has big bags of money and, and can scale that. But I guess if, if you was to kind of, you know, if someone was to come to your business now and say, okay, we want you to create an experience, but it needs to be scaled across I don't know, a demographic, let's just say it's gotta be scaled it's gotta be done across the globe and there's only a budget of X amount of money. How how would you approach that challenge?
1: Yeah. Well I think uh, there's a, a sculptor called Brunkush. He has beautiful, simple work. He has a quote saying that simplicity is complexity resolved. So I would use that hat on, and in order for an experience to be able to scale, it needs to be extremely simple, very simple. Um, An easy way that I'm thinking could be done right now is to create an audio-enabled experience with instructions that can be executed anywhere. And you don't need any props for it other than your headphones. And it's not dependent on the environment that you find yourself in or the time of the day or what you're wearing. A great example of that is uh, a project initiated by uh, a colleague of mine, a good friend, David Pearl, uh, called Street Wisdom. Um... And your listeners can just uh, find it and download it. It's free. Or they, they can just donate if they want to. It's a non-profit. Um, and they can try it. It's a one, one and a half hour audio enabled experience.
0: Okay. It's it's really interesting you mentioned this actually. I met up with a, a friend who works, um, who creates podcasts. And I was talking to her, I think I was saying, I think the next big thing for podcasts is is kind of breaking that fourth wall, if you like, and and that should be making your podcast be more immersive in general. You know, the, the a lot of podcasts tends to be kind of, I like, say, earphones in and that's it. And I I was I was actually cha- challenging with an idea. I said, wouldn't it be great if you could create a podcast which is a kind of an ongoing story each week, and you know, within that story. There's things where people have to take, un- unplug the podcast and they have to go a bit like how, you know, like with Pokemon Go, when you have to go and collect Pokemon. I was yep. like, you could have it. So it's story-based where weekly you get this story, but people have to go out and immerse themselves in the real world. And, you know, this there's, there's kind of a bit like, um, I, I guess in my head when I was kind of just coming up with random stuff, I kind of mixed in kind of wacky races, a bit of Pokemon Go, a bit of podcast, and I kind of come up with this one of my many random ideas. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that you mentioned mentioned podcasts. Definitely,
1: yeah. In, uh, great other great examples uh, are apps such as Headspace for meditation, or Waking Up with Sam Harris is also for meditation that has lessons included. So I would call, uh, for example, the Sam Harris Experience uh, app. I think it's it's not only an audio-enabled experience, but it's a transformational experience that is just enabled by an app. You know, we just meditate, listen to lessons, um, and do it on a regular basis. That is, uses, uh, you know, learning, you know, adapts it, starts easy, has an onboarding, and offboarding, et cetera. So I think that's the easiest way to, to scale things, but trying to reduce as much complexity as possible.
0: Yeah. Hey, hello? Yes. I'm oh, sorry, here. I thought you disappeared. Sorry, Sorry, Paul. I guess um, I'm just thinking, I mean, Sam Harris, his, his podcast is great as well. Um, actually, it got me thinking. I'm not sure how much you watch television. Um but the, the, you remember the old TV show, The Twilight Zone? Mm, nope. Okay, well, The Twilight Zone was kind of a, it was a very, very old program, and the things like Black Mirrors, X-Files, all these TV shows kind of took a lot from here. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's kind of been re, re-energized and they've made it modern now. And one of the things was actually just thinking about it was um, they used a podcast, and everything what happened in the podcast predicted the future on this flight what he was on. And I just thought that's a great example of you know you know assuming sky's the limit and you've got lots and lots of kind of budget and stuff. But I, yeah, I can I, I can brainstorm ideas like this all day. But um, yeah, went off on a tangent there, Paul. Sorry.
1: No worries, no worries. I I I like uh, I like uh, being creative and brainstorming
0: stuff. So. so I guess going back to you then. So. Some of these questions are deep, so I do apologize in advance. But here's one question for you: Do you like yourself?
1: That's just dropped out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: Um, I think it. Generally, I do like myself, but I first of all, I don't think there, there. We should first before. Uh, <laughs> If we're asking this question, maybe even, is there a self? Uh, You know, do you believe that there is a self? Um, You know, I think, you know, also by coming from just experiencing a lot of live action role play, um, you know, when you're someone else for four days, five days, one week, it's just all you're never the same person you're everyday someone else. So I I like I think I have a good energy and I'm working a lot on my energy uh, with Qigong meditation and you know when you meditate you're aiming to just disconnect so there is no judgment there is no I like myself or I don't like myself there is um ego kind of tends to go away because you're just stepping out of that game so i think i'm not usually worried with this that much because i think we're constantly changing mood and who we are as persons or how we feel but i i don't have any problem with it with saying i hate myself or i i don't want i don't want to live anymore or something like that okay
0: okay so yeah that was out the blue um so i guess going going kind of this this idea of kind of learning so you know based on on a lot of people you know the the five or six people who are know do this really well um this thing of experiences i use this analogy of an experience opens a door to allow changing um but i guess you know we we know our experience changes us, and then when it comes to kind of recall we recall on our experiences and emotions and the things that made us feel um but in corporate in corporate environments you just seem to really be struggling with this at the moment and like so when i look at kind of some of the stuff i've done kind of turned my whole onboarding experience into an extreme breakout um escape room kind of you know one of the things which we did a while back was kind of this thing of security you know, a big corporate environment where I worked for I had this thing about data protection and people wasn't doing the experience, uh, wasn't passing the security check. And I was like, because they don't care, you know, it's not impacting them. So let's make them care. So I created this experience where we did social engineering on each other. And then, you know, kind of the idea was basically you don't care about security. So how can we make you care? And the idea basically was actually we did this, we built up this whole persona, this whole profile of a person in the room using all the social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all this stuff, all the information you could do. And actually what you get to see is when they present it back, you know, it starts becoming quite scary when people can say, you take your kid to this school, your dad's called this, your brother's called this, you've got a dog, you know, start building this this profile up. And then only then, when they get a little bit freaked out by the fact of there was no security protecting their information, can we deploy the... The, the fix on, on why security is important but have you have you kind of have you worked with any any big corporate environments who 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 have, who have you know have you worked with anyone who has who has done this immersive experience and kind of yeah gone gone at it with a corporate background
1: uh, can you repeat the last part of the question
0: yeah sorry so have you have you worked with any corporate uh, big companies Who have, you know, where you've brought, you know, experience designing immersive experiences in? Have you worked on any of what you can share?
1: Sure, sure. Um, We've collaborated uh, with IKEA centers. So not the IKEA furniture stores, but centers, which is they have shopping centers over 74 uh, in China, Russia and Europe. And we have used uh, what I shared with your listeners earlier, you know, the live improvisational approach to experience design. And I also shared before uh, the results of research and people actually shedding tears when listening to you know how are people lives looking, you know the customers, how how do their real life looking you know you ask me what I like myself. Clearly, those people hated their life or they were not, I would say, I think hate is a, is too big of a word, but they were, I think they were in some sort of depression or not seeing a way out. Um, at least this is how the results came back. So we were sh- shocked um, to see that. I mean, we, we kind of know that we, in you know Western culture, we're all traversing this weird, uh, you know, weird, weird landscape where everyone is softly depressed and stressed out, burnt out, panic attacks, anxiety attacks. There is much of that going on. Um, so we we had that research that validated that people are actually experiencing this soft depression. So then we were challenged to figure out how can we move from a shopping center to an experience center where we, if retail is going to die in the next years, that means that space that still exists, which is a shopping center. You know, if we take out brands, what do we put in instead? And we took uh, a space. in in the shopping center and we created um, a mini mall in that space by using cardboard boxes to map out the corridors and the different spaces. And then we worked with the local community of students and artists, and we gave each team, there were six teams, a space and they had to design an experience that um, helped facilitate human interaction. In each space. And then um, in the shopping center, we masked this space with bookcases. And if you wanted to go in, you had to pass through this magical closet and you go for a Labyrinth and then you open this extraordinary center, we called it. And you can go and try out the different experiences. So while people were coming in, based on how they were reacting and what they were doing, we were changing the space constantly. The layout was changing constantly, each experience of each group was changing constantly to iterate. So this is iteration steroids, I would call it, right? This is live design. And we did this for five days, for four hours each day, and every night we destroyed the whole space. And then we rebuilt it again from scratch the next day, based on the learnings that we have from, from customers that were were entering the space. So we used 1,200 people that entered our space. We created learning based on that. And then we uh, used the same space to train um, the global um, management team of IKEA centers to teach them how to design experiences by giving them the chance to do rapid prototyping with with customers approaching. And they had designed the spaces now and learn firsthand. And then in the evening, we transformed that space into a restaurant. Um, so imagine, you. besides the cardboard boxes, there were so many other interesting things. There was like artworks, there were lots of fluffy animals, there were balls, there were a musical instruments, uh, people playing theater, interacting with people, uh, all sorts of stuff. So at the end of this project, we managed to create a community, you know, of the people that participated in this project and they wanted to stay longer and continue the project. But it was just a test that proved actually that, that people are willing to pay ent- an entrance fee to have time well spent or time well invested. We had people crying. Um, just to give you an example, so for your for your listeners to make an idea, we had these um, this team that they were experimenting quite a lot. So they moved from theater to making music. So they're always changing their experience based on the feedback uh, that the customers gave, but we we're also facilitating uh, them and giving feedback to them as well. And they had this experience where uh, someone had a, a piano that was connected to some headphones so this uh, father and daughter came and asked okay what what is going on it's like okay it, um, he invited the father to go in this dark room which was a circle of boxes and was dark and he had to put the headphones on and the daughter stayed with uh, with the person that was playing the piano And that person asked, okay, tell me something about your father. So she started sharing very personal and cute stuff about her father, why he loves him, why he likes him a lot. And he improvisationally created a song uh, based on what the daughter was saying while the father was listening at the headphones to the song and crying. Um... So this is an an example that just came out of that, but nothing was planned. everything was life tested and continuously developed in what we call this you know experience design accelerator. Uh, to learn how do we move you know from this transactional you know, I want to buy this uh, to this okay, how do I spend quality time with my wife, my children, my girlfriend, my friends to you know remove that sense of not belonging to remove the loneliness, the soft depression, to actually getting a sense of achievement and and doing something. So this is a this is an example.
0: Wow, wow, that sounds that sounds amazing. To be honest, Paul, that sounds awesome. I mean, this this is one of the things what I could probably dig into more, but I just want to be mindful of your time as well. I guess <laughs> um,
1: there is also a documentary that I think I can I can share with you. I, I need to check whether we're allowed to do it
0: yeah no but that, that'd be great um but yeah if you could share that that would be fantastic i guess and let's do some quick fire round questions so if if i was to say to you, right paul you've got you've got free billboards outside the stadium and i don't know maybe maybe 2 million people are going to see this billboard and you can put any message or any image or anything you want on there to to change or to make people look at what you're going to say what would your message or image B?
1: Hmm, let me think about it. I mean, there's so many things we can put on there. The thing is that people don't read billboards nowadays, so it definitely (laughs) has to be a billboard that people can... that will attract people to interact with it. So most probably, it could be a billboard that has a door on it. And if you open this door, then you will step in a different world that can, uh, that is an experience, let's say, which will, um, you know, by spending time in this uh, or sort of Narnia-like transition, you know, from your walking towards the stadium, seeing this door, opening it, and then stepping into a complete different reality, I would create their you know, a billboard is not enough, So therefore we need an experience. So inside that, we'll create uh, or we'll let them experience a moment of presence. Okay. I don't know how to, but if if you give me the budget, then we can design inside there something that will give the people an experience that has the same effect as uh, the term called the overview effect. It's basically what astronauts experience when they see the earth Earth, from space and they change their perception. They understand how little we all are on this, you know, in this universe. Um, so it kind of diminishes and kills the ego again, right? Do you like yourself? That's just the ego. Um, so something that kills and diminishes your ego and makes you aware of how little and insignificant you are, but then also empowers you to be much more um, mindful to your peers and to the planet.
0: Yeah. I think this this would be a great segue to talk about. Have you heard about ayahuasca and stuff like that and the experience? But it's probably not that type of podcast, unfortunately. Um Okay, so so I guess if you was a king, if you was a king, and um, what would your throne look like?
1: I don't think I would have a throne. I would just uh, have something more like a yoga yoga uh, barn type of setup.
0: Okay, okay, and if you was to give a gift to a child, what would you give and why?
1: gift to a child. Hmm. A skateboard. Okay. Um I I used to be a skateboarder. I I'm still skating from time to time. I'm and snowboarding. Uh just because I think um it represents infinite possibility. If you get hooked on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does.
1: You get to play with gravity, uh, so that's pretty fun.
0: Okay. Well, if you were to sum up to a three-year-old what it is you do, how would you sum that up?
1: I tell stories.
0: Okay, that's a that's great. It's a great one, Lina. It's a great one. <laughs> um. Okay. So, you know, we've got kind of, you know, I've mentioned, you know, there's kind of these people out here who are doing cool stuff and we've already mentioned Joe Pine and stuff in the experience economy, but who's, who's, who's the top three or four people you think people should be following and not researching, but following and paying attention to. The top three people.
1: Yeah. Um. Let me think. That's uh. That's tough. I think uh, it might be interesting to follow Robert Wright. Okay. Um. I did a, a course with him. Um. On Coursera on, uh, s- evolutionary psychology and Buddhism. Um, so he's really interesting and he's just launching a, uh, course now called beyond tribalism, how mindfulness can save the world. Um, to me, it's like the more and more I do experience design, the more, and, and research I'm writing a second book on how to design transformational experiences. The more I end up on mindfulness, you know, Buddhism, philosophy, and so on. So that's I think that's why I'm I'm recommending him because he's he's a scientist and he's looking at Buddhism and mindfulness uh, from the lens of science. But he also has experience, you know, with with this. So that's really interesting to to dive and look into. Um, I'm just making I'm I'm just making my own subjective references here. Um, Chris Hatfield, he's an astronaut. Okay. He has a very interesting course on um, on masterclass about space exploration. Um, so again, it's not necessarily that you learn experience design tricks or tri- uh, uh, tricks and tips from Robert Wright or from Chris. But it will be more of a mindset, more of a mindset thing. Um, and the third person. Hmm. Who should the third lucky person be? I think, um... John Law, he's the co-founder of Burning Man, of uh, uh, the Cacophony Society in San Francisco and of the Suicide Club. He's going to have uh, an, uh, an an exhibit about his life in San Francisco soon. Um, and he's a fascinating person to get in touch with. And I think you can also find find some of his books um, just to see how, you know, he was doing, you know, he was playing with stories and experiences way, 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 way back. And he's such a beautiful, um, just beautiful and modest person.
0: Okay. Okay. I will definitely put them notes in and kind of in the show notes and kind of where to find them so i, I want to kind of get involved in kind of this college of extraordinary experiences so be mindful i know you can't give too much away um because it is this amazing experience but and please say pass at any point if, if there's a risk of giving too much away but how did it come about so i know you mentioned you mentioned you know how you met how you met claus and stuff but how Kind of why, why you know, you mentioned it kind of from frustration and and whatnot, and and maybe maybe yeah, how how has it come about, and and what's been the biggest hurdles to you setting something up like this? Hmm. So
1: going back to the story, sort to go uh, to circle back uh, to the beginning, um, wrote the book. Had huge expectations from the experience economy. Got invited to talk to, at many conferences. The first frustration that I have with this world is, why do all hotels, universities, classrooms, houses look more or less the same? There's a funny story about um you know when when do you think uh, wheels were added to um to luggage
0: um I know it's from what I can you know in grasping at time I know it in 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 relevance it's pretty it was, it was pretty you know it was um it's quite it was quite soon here, you know, from my timeline. I know it is quite a modern update because you know, if you look at some of the old pictures, it was always people carrying things around. But I mean, go for it, explain.
1: More or less in the seventies. Isn't that strange?
0: Yeah. I mean it yeah, it's it is it's pretty it's pretty new right it's, it's still new in in the, in the kind of test of time i guess
1: it's very very new right i mean do you if you if if you check your grandparents attic do you think you will not find you know luggage with wheels that's for sure it's how new it is um or even your parents you know uh, depending on age but um i was living in this as a student and as an author and, you know, researching the latest things. I was living in this, in my mind. And I had so huge expectations of the world. And then I started traveling so much and got invited to this huge budget, you know, conferences and events. And I was like, these people are blowing up. 25,000, 35,000, 50,000 euros on a screen. And people are just staying on their smartphone and not even listening to the keynote. Something is super wrong here. <laughs> um, so it, 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 I was frustrated because I couldn't find you know these experiences. And then finally found one, which was the College of Wizardry that uh, Klaus's company was doing at the time. And um, I started collaborating with Klaus, and we did a, a big production. Um, yep. And then um, I'm trying to remember where we did that before or after. Where college was our first project. It could be that college. No, college was our second project. After we did a live action role playing experience together, and I said, "All right." Look, we have College of Wizardry, it's live action role play, it's immersive, it's great, but it's, you know, it's this fantasy thing. So it would be great if we, no, going to a LARP is great to just learn how to design experiences, even if it's fantasy. But people from businesses or from corporations or from academia will not go to a fantasy LARP to learn about experience design. So we kind of used um, inspiration from the live-action role-play world and from the castle and from the props that were already there and combined it with the theory from gamification in tourism and experience design and created you know, some sort of live-action role-play that is not about you know, being a witch or a wizard, it's not about being a noble or a servant, it's not about being a vampire. But it's about being a student of experience design. <laughs> uh, but equally as magic, equally as in-depth, equally as mind-blowing. Because we're using lots of, um, let's say, we're using a lot from the spheres of games and live action role-play and storytelling. And you're not going there to listen to people. You're going there to do, you're going there to co design. You know, there is no one going to tell you, all right, here's how we do experience design. Uh, I'm very, very careful with models, even though I have a model in my book. After practicing for quite a while and producing, I realized that models of experience design, of design thinking, are they need to be used with caution. Yeah. Because there, there is no model, then you know, most probably all of your podcast liter- listeners would like to get the elixir of experience design. Here's the five step model. I think there is no five step model, it's just a million hats. Um, so, what we have at the college, and I'm really happy that we created it in this way, is realizing, you know, from the start that. There is no recipe for experience design because experiences are so complex and they're you know multidisciplinary. You know, you have someone that knows how to play with the sense of smell, but even that person that knows how to play with the sense of smell, they know a niche part of it that they're really good at. But then you have you know the other senses, which are many, not just the five. Uh, and then beyond that, you have lots with psychology, then you'll have lots with spatial design, then you have lots with, um, with I don't know, technology, let's say, or there are so many elements involved. And from the start, we realized that in order to be able to make this valuable enough is that we need to make sure year after year, that we have a very diverse, um, student, uh, you know, selection because, um, it it is key to, to, you know, open your mind to as many ideas as possible to as many points of view as possible in order to be able to be a good experience designer. And that's the reason why, um, all of the free people that i recommended to follow have nothing to do directly with experience design but they're people from different you know practices and viewpoints that can challenge you as an experience designer can enrich you as a as a concept maker or creator and there is no recipe for experience design but you know being open and finding yourself at the center of multiple disciplines and working with people from different fields and understanding and immersing yourself in as many different points of view as possible so that's embedded in our um, in our design
0: so it's it's really interesting I guess you know it is about that it's about kind of taking something from somewhere and being able to remold that and, and turn it into something else you know and 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 make something in the shape of how you see things, not as how it potentially might have been, you know, at the start. But when you look at kind of... Um, I went on an experience probably around about two weeks ago. Um, it was one of these kind of zombie apocalypse experiences where I was kind of locked in somewhere for four or five hours, um, which was great experience, great experience, and great for fitness because literally I've never run around so much in my whole life. And... Um, but you know if you look at say cinemas right now and it's interesting to see what they're doing with, with with kind of 4D, so they're using kind of sense of smell and you know the chairs move and and fireworks are happening when there's gunshots and you know in war zones and there's flashes and bangs and it's kind of bringing immersing the film a little bit more than what it originally was. but I guess where where, where do you see the future of of um the college going? You know, I, I guess, you know, maybe it isn't, maybe there's no scale, like we said, maybe it's just a case of where it is right now is exactly where it needs to be and where mm-hmm. it belongs. Is that is that your vision of it? Or?
1: It's the one major focus that we have at the college is um, on community. So the way we see that we have impact on the world is uh, with the community that we're building because they come to the college our students come to the college, they bond uh, with each other and they create bridges and connections between, you know, cultures, you know, between disciplines, and they start collaborating and building projects. And in those projects, there are other people from other networks coming in. So I see the college uh, in the future as you know, the builder of this experience design global community um, and becoming sort of a gathering as much know-how, intel, and resources to be able to share with the world Um, and to, you know, foster and continue growing this community, this beautiful community of people from different disciplines. Um, We're looking... Not to expand, so there will be just one college. there will be no other college than this one uh, once a year uh, with this limited number of people, uh, we will have uh, those sub projects that are not the college of extraordinary experiences, but they could be institutes that can represent the a backbone of you know of a city to help the city. Um, Transition from, you know, a service-based economy to a meaningful experience economy.
0: Okay, okay. I'm just just listening to it. There's a book which just come to mind while I was um well just listening to you there, Paul. It's a book called A Patterned Language. Have you heard of that? No, uh, no. Oh So it's a great. I think you'll I think you'll really enjoy it. It's about predominantly it's about kind of arch- architecture. But it's also about the towns and, and kind of what shapes towns and communities and, and how a low ceiling can make you feel completely different to, say, a high ceiling can in a building. And I think you might like that. Just, it, just Sorry, it just went off on a tangent there, but I think you, <laughs> you might enjoy that.
1: I wrote it down. Thank you.
0: So, you know, just just coming up to the end now. Um,
1: just uh, just to add a, another book says to, you know, to give more value to your listener, just because a book popped to my mind. It's called... Uh, the Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Okay. Uh, and then there's another book that, again, popped to my mind right now. It's called The Power of Moments. Why Certain Experiences Have Extraordinary Impact by Chip Health and Dan Health. Such a,
0: uh, such a good book. Such a yeah. good book.
1: That's another.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll leave them in the notes. Um. Okay, so I don't want to get too much into the college because I don't want to ruin it and I want people to experience it like how it should be experienced. Um, But I guess just kind of going back to... what, What five tips would you give to somebody who wants to get into experience design? Hmm...
1: Five tips, let me think Uh, Number one Make sure that people opt in Your experience uh, And you're not forcing people In an experience Make sure that people can opt out Of an experience is the same rules as play. You cannot, and that's the problem with corporations. When, you know, imagine you're getting hired and you have to create an experience for a corporate client. Now, the employees show up at your experience. Some of them don't want to be there. And that's the problem while the experience will fail because they are not opting in, they're forced to opt in just because they're part of a corporation that they kind of have to do this team building exercise. They kind of have to do this, whatever. Uh, so make sure that if you're in such a case as an experienced designer, your experience looks amazing that people would want to opt in no matter what. Right. Okay. Um, you know, that's why we have the College of Extraordinary Experiences. It's in a castle. It looks amazing. People really want to go there. They want to be there. Um, they will not feel you know, bad if, if their employer says you have to go. Um, so be very mindful of safety of participants. Um, so opt-in, opt-out, safety is two tips. Okay. A third tip would be... Simplicity is complexity resolved. You don't need one million props. You don't need an elaborate plan. You don't need um, some complicated matrix. You don't need to use a lot of design thinking to make an experience immersive, worthwhile, memorable, and potentially transformational. Think of the example that I gave with just your students Please leave the room. I have to prepare it. As simple as that. Keep it extremely simple and eliminate everything that is just a, a nice add-on. Uh, that's the third. The fourth. Start meditating. Experience with meditation. Everything, what you're designing, appears and is played in the space of consciousness. It could be the collective consciousness. You have to be very much aware that people can, if you have a group of people, they will kind of, you know, like a choir singing together, they will kind of tune and calibrate to the same level. And if you dive into meditation, and we we just mentioned two great apps here: waking up or headspace. You can just you know try this audio-enabled experiences. You will be a much better experience designers if you understand you know your own mind and how consciousness works. And the fifth one is read as many books as possible do as many courses as possible on fascinating subjects that are not about experience design. Perfect. No, that's, that's how you can find your originality and creativity. So not by following a five-step experience design model, but by, you know, reading about astronauts or uh, reading about anthropologists going to some tribe and learning from, you know, Tribal culture. That's a great source of inspiration. Uh, the Tribal cultures, the people that were in tribes were kind of the first experienced designers.
0: Okay, perfect. Another good book. I feel like this is turning into a book podcast. Um, Homecoming, have you heard of that, that book? No. Really great book. So it's a guy who went to the war and kind of came back um, after the war and it was kind of about the, the, the impact what wars have on society and how actually it brings people together in community. um. Uh, yeah, you might like that, you might not. Um. Okay, great tips, great tips. So at the beginning, kind of coming back full circle now, at the beginning I asked you to pick six numbers. Um. Them six numbers are tallied to some random items on my list. And the story is this, Paul. Basically you're on an island and you found these six items. And you've got a bottle cap, which was number three. An iPad, an iPad charger, which was number ninety-nine, um, a balloon, which was a hundred, a spoon, which was two, and a candle, which was one, and a keyring. How do you use these items on a on a desert island? What do you do with them? Hmm.
1: Uh, what is the purpose of me being on that desert island for (laughs) i need i need some context okay
0: (laughs) the context can be whatever you want it to be it can be for you to survive it can be for you to be creative and just you know ride out your days until (laughs) until something Mm -hmm. comes along you could use them as survival to kind of you know keep keep yourself on there maybe it's Hunting fish, making traps—I don't know. But it can be whatever you want it to be, Paul. So I
1: think if I was on an abandoned island that was not where humans didn't have a role to play in modifying the environment and ruining the ecosystem, then I think I would need—I wouldn't need any of these items. So I would just maybe bury them, uh, because in an ecosystem that hasn't been spoiled. Everything that you need should be there. If it's you know, if it's a working ecosystem, if it's a nice island, not a dead. Oh, you said it's a desert island, right? Yeah. Well, if it's a desert island, I'm kind of dead with, with these <laughs> items anyways.
0: <laughs> okay, better <laughs> you. It's gonna it's gonna make for a great adventure for somebody else who comes along, eh?
1: It, to, to me, to me, I really would. I would really think that these all of these items will just ruin the uh my Feng Shui and the landscape. Uh so I just try to get rid of them and just meditate until I die. Because <laughs> there is no other way out.
0: Okay. Perfect. Well, I guess two more questions and we are done. So question one. Right at the beginning of the podcast I asked you what you wanted to be when you grow older. And as you know, Paul, we you know, we're we're constantly growing as people as humans, so if I was to ask you that question now, Paul, what is it you want to be when you grow up? What would you want to be right now?
1: I think um I'm already moving towards uh, what I wanted to be when I was uh you know what I said that I want to be when I grow up when I was a kid. I'm moving a lot towards nature um uh, very much so. So I think what I want to be is I want to be uh, one with nature, I want to experience nature much more than I do now. And just enjoy it.
0: Okay, nice. Okay, it's, so
1: it's not tied with any career ego-driven goal. It's just enjoying you know, the beauty of, of our planet, what's at least... And maybe trying to put a shoulder to to have some positive impact on trying to recover or rebuild or repair.
0: Okay, beautiful, beautiful. So, Paul, where can people go to find out a little bit more about you, a little bit more about the College of Extraordinary Experiences and whatnot? Where can we go?
1: So um, you can find about the gamification in tourism book by just googling gamification in tourism you will easily find it um, you can find out more about the college by visiting extraordinary.college and you can find me on Instagram just uh, paul.bulencu so it's my first and dot last name
0: awesome paul it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much
1: Thank you so much, Danny. It was great.
0: Enjoy the rest, there.
1: Thank you to to. Uh, I wanna thank to or give uh, my special thanks to everyone who managed to reach the end of the podcast. I hope you had a great <laughs> ride.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Cheers, Paul. Thanks again. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.